I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I started to realize that not being an expert isn't a liability, it's a real gift. If we don't know something about ourselves at this point in our life, it's probably because it's uncomfortable to know. If you can die before you die, then you can really live. There's a wisdom at death's door. I thought I was insane, yeah. And I didn't know what to do because there was no internet. I don't know, man, I'm like, I feel like everything is hard. Hey y'all, my name is Kat. I'm a human first and a licensed therapist second. And right now, I'm inviting you into conversations that I hope encourage you to become more curious and less judgmental about yourself, others, and the world around you. Welcome to You Need Therapy. Happy Monday, guys. Kat here. If you're not listening to this on a Monday, then happy whatever day you're listening to this on. Quick reminder before we get into anything that although I'm a therapist and this podcast is called You Need Therapy, this does not serve as a replacement or a substitute for any actual mental health services, but it can help along whatever journey you are on. So this week, we are going to be talking about something that might end up saving your relationship from its own apocalypse. Which, side note, I don't know if anyone has seen the movie. I think it's called, I want to say it's called Night at the Cabin or something like that. It's out in theaters right now. Patrick, my boyfriend and I went to see it a couple weeks ago with some friends. The funny thing is we really went to see the movie because my favorite movie theater candy are those unwrapped Butterfingers, like the mini ones that come in the box. And we were at the grocery store and I saw them at the checkout line. And I said, Oh my gosh, they didn't have those at the movie theater the last time I went. Let's get them for the next time we go. And so we got them. And then that weekend, that following weekend, I was thinking to myself, You know, Patrick, we have that candy. We need to go to the movies so we can eat it. And there wasn't really any movies out that we wanted to see. 
However, there was this movie, Night at the Cabin. I, again, I think that's what it's called. And it had the actor that plays Ron Weasley in Harry Potter in it. And so I was like, well, I need to support Harry Potter and I need to support Ron. And so let's go see it and support him in that way. And that's what we chose to see. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is because the movie was actually about the end of the world and the apocalypse. And I am, for one, curious about other people's thoughts on that movie, if you had seen it, because it wasn't bad, but it's also not a movie I would ever choose to watch again. And normally I feel that about scary movies, but that one I'm just like, I didn't, it wasn't, there's nothing in that I really want to see again, but it was worth it because gosh, there is something nice about going to the movie theaters these days. Maybe it's nostalgia because I used to go a lot as a kid, but the movie theater is so different now. You get the the chairs that like have the recliner, the automatic recliner. You can order like a full meal there. No, there's a, a movie theater in my hometown. You can literally, a, a waitress will like come to your seat, which is so wild. You, there's like trays and stuff and like tables. This one wasn't that fancy, but there's just something about like laying in, in a chair like that and having all this space and just as nice. I'm committing to going to more movies this year, I think. Preferably more movies I really want to see, but that was my second one of the year. So I'm on a good streak because it one for each month. So maybe that's what I'll do. Anyway, I think we should get back on topic. I just brought that up because it was about the apocalypse and we are talking about the apocalypse of relationships. And so let's get back on to that track. Like I said, we're going to talk about how to, how to maybe save your relationship from an eternal doom which I really hope is exciting for everybody because this is supposed to be a very, very helpful episode that can be applied really easily. Everybody in the world is going to relate to what we're talking about in some way because we all have relationships, whether they are romantic or not. And so I'm really excited to share this with you guys. This is information that I love because it's pretty simple and straightforward and also very, very meaningful and helpful. So let's get right into it. We're talking about something that was developed and created by Dr. John Gottman. And he developed this thing called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse of Relationships. It's helped him be able to predict the failure or success of a relationship with a 90% accuracy rate, which is so wild. And I remember learning that statistic in class like 10 years ago. I actually remember sitting in my chair and being like, oh, now you have my attention. I remember what classroom I was in. I remember who was sitting next to me. I remember the salad that the person was eating next to me. Like I, I have this almost photographic memory of that moment because it's something that really stuck out that I thought, wait, whatever you're about to tell me is going to be really important. If you don't know who Dr. Gottman is, he's honestly one of the most renowned therapists of our current time and maybe ever. I think a lot of people would say that. He has authored or he has written himself or co-authored over 200 academic articles and more than 40 books. Y'all, that is so many things. And a lot of those books are bestsellers. He is He's just so dedicated to his lane of what he does with therapy and he's just so smart and he's also really nice to listen to I've listened to most recently some podcasts with him and he just like you can tell he really cares about what he's doing he and his wife who he writes a lot of his books with they co-founded the Gottman Institute 
he was previously the director of Relationship Research Institute. He is a professor at University of Washington, which is where he founded the Love Lab, which is where a lot of his, um, you'll hear about if you read his work, a lot of his research and interactions that he talks about is done in, in the Love Lab. So what I'm trying to say is that he's really smart and he has a lot of stuff to teach us. And again, while most of his work is centered around romantic relationships, the stuff he, he is teaching us and the stuff that he is sharing with us and he's writing about and he's researching, it can help any kind of relationship. Our romantic relationships, yes, but also our colleagues, the people we interact with at work, our family, even acquaintances and definitely friends. It, it is something that we can all apply to our lives. So like I said, Dr. Gottman can predict the success or failure of a relationship with that 90% success rate and how he determined how to do that is he started looking at how a couple manages their conflict. It feels like many people assume that the presence or absence of conflict is what really needs to be looked at. And this has been proven not to be the case. Conflict is something that's inevitable. It's going to happen to everyone. It's in just about every relationship we have depending on the closeness of that relationship, we will all have it in a variety of ways because humans are complex and we're all different. So the key to healthy, long-lasting and loving relationships is managing conflict versus resolving it. And I really like the distinction in that verbiage of we're looking at how people manage conflict versus resolving it and making it poof go away or figuring out how to not have it. Because often when we figure out how to not have it, it's because we're actually avoiding what we really need, which we'll get into in, in different ways as we continue. So he has these four horsemen and they are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So I started working on this podcast with the idea that we would cover all four of the horsemen today. However, it was looking as if it would take about three hours to do that. And so I know I don't have the attention span for that. And probably a lot of you guys don't. So what we're going to do is we're going to create this into a series. It's going to be a series, a four week series where we're going to go over each of the horsemen in a specific episode. They each have their own dedicated episode. And so today we are going to dive right into criticism, which is the first horseman. So let's talk about what criticism is and also what it isn't. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. 
And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about what criticism is and also what it isn't. Criticism is an attack on, I'm going to talk about just moving forward. I said this can be applied to anything. I'm talking about these things like in romantic relationships. So I'm going to use the word partner and, and stuff like that. You can apply that however you want. But like I was saying, so criticism is attack on your partner's character, like an attack on who they are. It isn't about a specific behavior at all. We, we kind of label the behavior and then turn it into an actual attack on their character. And it can be really demeaning. It can feel really harsh. It's not offering a critique or voicing a complaint, which we will differentiate as we go on. Those are two things that can be really healthy and really helpful in relationships. So this is the first horseman because it usually shows up first when there is an issue in a relationship. And when that happens, it kind of sets the tone for the entire discussion or conversation that follows. And then the other horseman can come if the criticism is continued. And Dr. Gottman actually found that the way a conversation starts determines the outcome of the conversation within 96% accuracy rate which means if you start a conversation with criticism, the conversation will probably not end with you feeling really great. And you might even move on to some of these other horsemen. But on the flip side, if your conversation is on track within the first three minutes he discovered, then the conversation will likely end in a good way where your needs are heard and uh, most likely met. So when you critique or you complain, which like I said just before, is different than a criticism. It's different than criticizing. You are talking about something specific. You are bringing up a specific, for example, behavior. What I want people to know is criticism is a way to express our concern, but it's a way to do that without being vulnerable. So I kind of think this is hilarious, but it's like funny, but not funny at the same time, because for a relationship to be successful and healthy, there has to be vulnerability. We cannot have a successful in-tune relationship without being able to show up as vulnerable with our partners or whoever we are within that moment. 
and criticism is a way to express something but it's with a bunch of armor and you have a bunch of protection on and when we are in defense mode it's really really difficult and you you don't set yourself up in a way for for your relationship to have a good shot at being successful now i think most of us are not really aware when we're doing some of this when we are criticizing our partners so before we talk about what to do instead of criticizing, I want to get a little bit more in depth with how criticism can look and sound. Because again, a lot of times we're not realizing it. And awareness is a really good first step in in changing our behavior that isn't working. So often our critiques sound like exaggerating. And this I think is probably the most popular way it comes up and probably the easiest to spot. So most of the time when somebody is being critical, they'll say something with this exaggerated tone or language. You'll use words like always or never or constantly all the time. Those kind of words that it's it's a black or white kind of thing. And we're doing this to get our point across. We're doing this because we we want our partner to know like that this is a deep rooted thing. And it might feel like that. It might feel like all the time, but it usually isn't all of the time. It's not true. Think about how like in the very basic trope of the cleaning dishes, laundry, trash kind of fight, which I will continue to use as I go on because it's just an easy one to, to pull up and we can all actually relate to that for the most part. You might say to your partner, you never do the dishes or take out the trash. You always just expect me to do it for you. Just, you're so selfish and you're so lazy. Well, if that's not true, then your partner, when they hear that, might say in their response, wait a second, that's not true. I took the trash out last week or I did the dishes last week. What are you talking about? So then your partner gets focused on his character and kind of like rewriting that wrong narrative that you just threw out there versus what's really going on. Maybe your frustration, your exhaustion, uh, maybe you're not feeling seen or appreciated. And I can imagine what would come next from the original partner. Uh, if somebody was like, that's not true. I did it last week. Then you might say something back like, see, there you go again, only focused on yourself because you're talking about your need, but you're expressing it in a way that is picking on that person's behavior. So first way to spot it is, is in exaggerations. And then another way that criticism comes up is using the word why, using why questions. So something therapists learn in school is to be very careful of your whys. And it's confusing because often when we use a why, it's because we generally, we really want to know the answer to something. The problem is it can feel like by explaining the why, we have to justify something that we did wrong. So it's helpful just to steer clear of this, just to avoid any miscommunication. There are other ways to actually say what we really mean in that sense. And for example, you might say, hey, why didn't you ask me what my day was like before you told your parents we would meet them for dinner? that kind of sets your partner up immediately to defend themselves versus hearing what you actually need. So then my response isn't, oh, I hear that you are whatever. It goes into the explanation that you asked for, which feels like defensiveness. Instead of using that why, you can say, hey, I appreciate 
you making plans for us tomorrow is really going to be exhausting. And I know I'm going to need some downtime. Can you reschedule and we can work together to find a time that works for the both of us? And then your partner can just say, oh, wow, I I didn't realize that tomorrow is going to be a bad day. I will keep in mind that I need to check in with you moving forward. But like, yeah, sure. Let's find another time. I want to add because sometimes the why questions are really hard to avoid in therapy. And as a therapist, there's a time and a place to use those. So if you're listening to this and you're a therapist and you're like, I can't ever use that word, you can use the word, but just be careful with how you're using it and also the tone in which it's coming up and the space in which it's coming up. I often will say things like, I wonder what drew you to this, or I'm curious about X. It's less judgmental and offers more just, hey, I just want to know more about this. But when it comes to the relational conflict, I would just say the why is too dangerous. So let's find a different way to communicate because it most of the time is not worth the risk of it getting us into that dance of defensiveness and explanation. Okay, so another way that criticism shows up is in making jokes. And I feel like this is pretty obvious if we're honest with ourselves. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joking is so often a passive-aggressive way to say what you want without actually having to be direct. Again, it's removing that vulnerability from the conversation. And especially if it's in front of other people, because a lot of this stuff isn't just in one-on-one conversations. You can say this in front of other people. And, and if this is in front of other people, it can really feel embarrassing for your partner to be the butt of their joke. And that doesn't feel good. And that causes hurt. And that creates another issue on top of the original issue that you were coming to, but trying to come to without being vulnerable. And I got to admit, this is the one that I know I show up with the most. And I actually have an example of, of this more recently. I thought about it as I was preparing for this. Last weekend, this was last weekend, I asked Patrick to, my boyfriend, to vacuum the stairs. And he started vacuuming the stairs, but the vacuum died. We have a cordless vacuum that has to be charged. So he put the charger in the wall and plugged it in. And then he left to go do something with his friends. And the vacuum didn't finish charging until after he left. And I ended up doing a couple other things around the house and I I ended up vacuuming. So I ended up doing the stairs myself. And I want to say, just to clarify, I really enjoy vacuuming since I've gotten this cordless vacuum and it's changed my life. I did not mind vacuuming the stairs. However, I think there was this thought of, I did ask Patrick to do this and he didn't finish it. And I am doing all these chores around the house and I want some help. And instead of actually sharing with him, like, hey, I did the stairs. So since I did that, can you help with this? Or like, I vacuumed the stairs while you're gone because the vacuum was charged and I was doing some other stuff. So could you maybe fold my laundry? I'm really tired. I could have said that. But instead, I just made a joke. Like, I think I said it pretty nonchalantly. Like, hey, I vacuumed the stairs so you can get out of your chores today. Or I vacuumed the stairs so you didn't have to do it. You got what you wanted. Like, made a joke. And I remember him him looking at me and, and saying something along the lines of, I wasn't trying to get out of that. I, I would have done that when I got home. And that's just a really small example of I, I just make this joke when really I could have said, hey, I vacuum the stairs. I want to feel like we are sharing the work at home. So can you do this? No, I just was my passive aggressive self. So that one comes up a lot for me. It's a pretty easy one to do. And again, what I miss there is it's not that my partner didn't want to help. It's that I didn't ask him appropriately. And then another way that the criticism can show up is in should statements. So Oh, the the shoulds. When we talk about this a lot in individual therapy, when someone has the case of the shoulds, we call it shooting on yourself. And and there's a like a therapy joke: stop shooting on yourself. It just doesn't feel good when you do that. It's a breeding ground for shame when we continuously say, "I should have done this," or "I should have done that," or "I should do this," or it just feels like we can't do things right, and we should feel bad because we don't know the right way, or that we didn't know the right way in the moment. And when we should someone else, it can make someone else feel judged. And just like it does with ourselves, how we're judging ourselves. And then it brings, again, a breeding ground for shame. You should have known better means that there is something wrong with them or you for not realizing or knowing in the moment. And an example of this could be instead of saying you shouldn't load the dishwasher like that, the dishes won't get clean. 
you could say something like, hey, I learned that if we line the cups up here and the bowls down here, the dishes will get more evenly rinsed. Do you want me to help you do that? So you're saying like, hey, I learned this thing and I want to share this knowledge with you versus like you shouldn't do that. Duh. You should know better, which is shaming and judgmental. And then the last thing I want to say about just identifying the ways that this stuff can show up is this is not an all-inclusive list. So there are other ways that it can show up. These are some main ways and some other ways that I didn't mention that I would just, you know, think about um, when it comes to you and your behavior is noticing our nonverbal cues in our tone. So how we speak to someone and then how we behave can be other forms of just passive aggressive criticism. And like I said earlier, this is the first one because it usually comes first. And if it isn't addressed, then it basically paves a road for the rest of the horsemen to follow. So now if you're sitting there being like, yeah, I actually do this. My partner does this. And you're like freaking out like, oh, dang it. We're going to go into the other horsemen and we're going to die. Don't worry, because this is why I'm doing this podcast. I'm here to help. Well, I I really am here to share the help that John Gottman has has given to us and brought to us. And the cool thing about him is that he doesn't just help identify these problems. He has done that, but he also offers solutions. And so once we can identify the maladaptive behavior that we have, we then can find a way out. And that is the antidote. So there are antidotes for all these horsemen. And for criticism, the antidote is a gentle, or it's sometimes called a soft startup. So instead of attacking your partner's character, you can create this gentle startup using specifically I statements. And earlier I mentioned multiple times that criticism is different than complaints or critiques. Again, here's the difference. A complaint focuses on a specific behavior, why criticism attacks a person's character. Now, complaints and critiques can still be hard to hear and they can be hard to experience because they aren't affirmations, right? But we have to acknowledge these things because remember, the avoidance of conflict isn't the issue. We're not trying to just get conflict away. It's how we manage it. How do we manage these uncomfortable hard spots that relationships are bound to have? And criticism often comes in times when we feel overwhelmed by something, which might just be a feeling, right? Overwhelmed by a feeling. And we want a solution then and we want it right there. Even if the current issue that we're bringing up doesn't seemingly feel like that big of a deal, we like just want to fix this now. And so these these criticisms come out as pretty harsh. And it's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of situation in these moments our emotional regulation gets a little spotty and we turn to what feels like the easy way out, the easy way to get a neat met. And criticism really can be a bid for connection. We want to feel seen or heard by our partners, but because we do it with our defenses up, we create more space between us. So that bid for connection actually backfires on us. And then we drive people away instead of inviting them in. And the gentle startup can be really hard to access if we've been letting something build and build and build and build and build and build and pile up. Because again, that emotional regulation is a little spotty. And gentle startups are also hard when we feel worn down in general. Like if we just are at a low and it has nothing to do with our our partners, it's just something within us and our own um, lane. And I say all this because I wanted to throw in another friendly reminder that self-care is crucial. 
all of these things as we continue to talk about all of these horsemen and the, the antidotes to all of them self-care is really crucial here because we have to be taking care of ourselves and paying attention consistently versus just when it feels like a bomb is about to go off because if we just pay attention when the bomb is about to go off it makes it really hard to use the antidote and then we go into that criticism because we need that that easy fix and we need it now So again, the antidote for criticism is using this gentle startup in order to complain without blame. And to avoid blame, we have to focus on I statements versus you. Focus on your feelings, I statements, and express what you need in a positive way. So instead of saying something like, you never help around the house, you can try something like, I feel really frustrated and lonely doing the dishes by myself and I really need a break and some time to relax. Will you do them for me tonight? Or will you do them for us tonight? Or you can just say them, will you do them tonight? And an easy formula, if you're somebody that likes formulas and numbers and all of that, an easy formula to follow in this is to say, I feel about what, I feel blank about what, about blank, I need blank. So the gentle startup starts with I feel and it leads into I need and then it asks in a respectful way your partner to fulfill that need. There's there's no blaming, there's there's no critiquing and it prevents this conversation from moving from a conversation into an argument. There's no need to defend, it just is saying, "Hey, I feel this and I really need this. Can you help me here?" So let's talk about some basic tips. So we gave you the formula. If you want some basic tips to write down um, to help when using the gentle startup, here they are. So one thing I want to encourage people to do is begin with something positive. People who have mastered um, the gentle startup and have mastered really effective communication with their partner really talk about how important it is to begin conversations with something positive. So if there is a complaint, if there is a critique, start with something positive. I mean, we all know this with the compliment sandwich when we're giving feedback to people in the workplace. It can be kind of similar right here. So instead of saying, again, you never help with the dishes, you can say, hey, I really enjoyed when you washed the dishes the other night and I dried them and put them away. That was fun and I felt like we were a team. And I really need some help tonight. So can we do that again? And then your partner will probably say, sure. (laughs) So again, begin with something positive. Another thing to remember and add to these things is express appreciation and gratitude. So if we're going to complain, again, it's kind of the same same idea with the compliment sandwich. If we're going to offer these complaints and critiques, do it gently. Like remind them that they, I'm not I'm not just throwing out all of these things that I don't like about you. I'm doing this because there are things I like about you. So you can say something like, I was so grateful and felt so cared for when you helped me fold the laundry last weekend when I was really exhausted and I'm feeling really overwhelmed today after work. So can you take care of that tonight for me. Super easy, super simple. And then another thing to remember, this is really important. It's why you were going to hear this multiple times. Start with I instead of you. So I statements. Instead of saying you do this and you do that and you do this and you do that and then you, 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 it's I feel. So instead of saying something like you prioritize playing golf with your friends over making plans with me on the weekends, right? <laughs> That's a thought that I've had in my head before. You prior, you prioritize playing golf with your friends over making plans with me on the weekends. 
mm, well, I don't know. We don't know if that's true. And that's also not really getting to the point. So you can say instead to make that an I statement, I really loved that date we went on last Saturday during the day. And I really want us to plan something like that once a week or once every other week. Right. So instead of saying you're doing this, it's I actually really want to spend more time with you. And I want to make sure that we have that in our schedule before we start. You know how life is. Somebody asks you to do something. Sure. I have nothing on the schedule. So it's not about prioritizing. It's just that, oh, I didn't know. And then my schedule is filled up. And with all of those, remember, do not just wait until you're about to blow. It's really hard, even if you do this with I statements, even if you do this with gratitude, if you do this leading with positives, if you are then giving a list of complaints, it's really hard for somebody to hear that and to really understand what it is that you're asking for, because then it just kind of still feels like an attack, even though it's not criticism. So try to do this in the moment, right? Or maybe not in the moment, but one at a time, or it can be two things, but we don't need to go into um, a conversation like this with a laundry list of things that we didn't like that our partner did. And again, as you hear this, you can think to yourself, oh yeah, I wouldn't like that. So why would my partner want me to do that? And then another thing to remember is when you are doing this, when you're going to somebody and, and you are using this antidote and you are coming into somebody with this gentle startup, just because you're being gentle doesn't mean you're being submissive. So be assertive. There is a difference between aggression, assertiveness, and submission. There is this middle ground. And I can be really assertive and be really kind. When we're aggressive or we are just like too dainty and submissive with our requests, it leads to unclear communication and unhealthy communication. And so to be assertive, be clear, ask directly for what you want. Humans, even your partners that know you really well, don't tend to read your mind all the time, and even most of the time, and then show up with confidence. So come into these conversations knowing what my feelings are really valid and what I need is really important and I'm worth asking for that. So move into these conversations with confidence. And something that is coming up for me right now as I'm, I'm talking about all of this is it sounds easy and it is simple, but it's not always easy. Because what you're doing when you're using this antidote to the criticism is you're shifting from focusing on what we think is wrong with somebody or maybe just this thing that we use to avoid, right? We might not even really think there's this thing wrong with that person, but you're shifting from focusing on this thing that we say is wrong with somebody to your own feelings. And that might bring up some really uncomfortable stuff experiences of feeling unheard or unappreciated, experiencing being misunderstood. And and that's not fun. And it's not easy. So this stuff that we're talking about is simple. And that's why I like it. But give yourself some some grace and some extra care. Because it is not easy to do this. However, if we don't pay attention to these things, we do not give ourselves a fair shot to change the narrative of whatever story is in our head that makes us even want to focus on that other person's behavior rather than our own feelings and what we need. Again, the thing we cannot avoid in order to have a healthy relationship is vulnerability. You must be vulnerable in your relationship for it to work. And we have to make a conscious shift from what we don't like externally, 
to what's happening internally with us so we can actually ask for what we need and manage our conflict well. Without this shift, you are going to continue to do this dance of protection and defense from one person to the other. And then both parties will be trying to combat each other versus help each other get their needs met in an appropriate way. So that is the first horseman. That is criticism and the antidote to it, as told by John Gottman. Next week, we are going to go into the second horseman, contempt, which a little cliffhanger here is the strongest predictor of divorce when it is prevalent in relationships. So you will learn more about that next Monday. Thank you guys for being here and being in this conversation with me. As always, if you have questions, feedback, whatever it is, you can send that to Catherine at youneedtherapypodcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram at cat.defada, where you'll see more of just my life and the podcast at you Need Therapy Podcast if you want more therapy content and podcast content. I hope you guys are having the day, the week, the hour, the moment you need to have. And I will be back with you on Wednesday for Couch Talks. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes. Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.